0: Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, wellbeing speaker, educator and coach. Together, we're going to explore lessons to help us live well. Let the learning begin. Welcome to episode 43 of the School of Wellbeing podcast. I hope this conversation inspires you to feel, function and relate better. As a speaker, nothing beats the buzz that comes with presenting to a live audience. Zoom and Teams are a great plan B, but nothing beats real people in real rooms talking about topics that really matter. Live events are a wonderful opportunity to remove ourselves from the noise of everyday life and connect with other big-hearted humans. So I am thrilled to announce that I will be running my first ever live event this term. I have never done anything like this before, and I'm so excited about creating a space for big-hearted humans to connect, share, laugh, and learn. The evening will include a presentation, some Q&A, lots of laughter, and some book giveaways. My first event will be in Melbourne, so make sure you have subscribed to my Thought of the Week newsletter to be the first to know all the details. Now let's get on with today's show. In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Lisa Kordoff. Lisa helps women upgrade their mindset, get unstuck and change the stuff that's not working in their life. A solo mum of three, she's all about skipping straight to the hacks and techniques that really work, while avoiding the perfectionism and overwhelm that can easily keep us trapped. In this conversation we discuss: why we have the desire to want to control and fix others, How taking responsibility for our well-being is a game changer the transformative power of actively accepting our reality as it is, and so much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lisa Porter. Lisa, welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled that you are here because over the years I have learned so much information from articles, from textbooks, but at the end of the day, what moves me most is people's stories and listening to you share your story over the last few months has really moved me towards action. So this is going to be a conversation that's going to really help people take the next step. I hope so. So Lisa, tell me, how did you get so interested in helping people move towards more personal power?
1: So when I I had two little kids, we moved to Brisbane. I knew no one. So I'm like the total cliche started a blog because I had no friends and because I had a background in journalism, I just was learning heaps of stuff about food at that stage and I just wanted to put it somewhere. So I started a blog and a Facebook page back in 2012 And people started following me that weren't related to me (laughs) eventually, which was (laughs) amazing. And I started to sort of build this community of women who were looking at feeding their families well, but didn't really resonate with the whole, you have to do it this specific way or else you are very bad. Really hardcore diets, restrictive eating habits that just to me caused a lot of distress for for women who were genuinely wanting to do the right thing. So I started selling an e-course. It was called Small Steps to Whole Foods. And what I noticed over the years of helping women with food was that it was, you know, we all know actually the rules of eating well. What if we were eating it all the time, we'd be feeling full of energy and life and vitality and most of us are not doing that and most of the time it's got nothing to do with food it's actually mental really a lot of the time and so because I was all about helping women change their habits and the approach that I take is small habits built over time is going to get you further faster with really pretty much anything and but I was like why why do some women jump into a course take all the information, action it, they're never the same. You know, this is the way they do it. Some women are in and they're really committed and they try for a week or two and then something happens and then they drop off. And some women don't, they just buy it and they don't even open a thing. Like what is going on with us? And so I started to become really obsessed with the mindset piece around what we eat. And what I discovered was so much of what we do is completely subconscious like we're not actually thinking about what it is that we're doing all the time so how do we access that part of us and that led me down all sorts of different rabbit holes and i found so many interesting things i was going through a really tough time in my own life personally so i was doing a lot of transformational work as well on myself And what I realised was that to create any kind of positive change in your life, there needs to be this sense of it's possible for me. It's actually possible. And so helping women get to that point and access the, the personal power that is within all of us because as I say to everyone all the time like look around you look at your home look at your kids if you've got them look at everything in your life you created that it's actually your you we are creating our lives all the time but we're just not doing it super consciously and we're not doing it from a place of personal power sometimes it's from that place of I've got no choice i have I'm, you know, this is just, this is what life is. But actually, it's just all these tiny little choices that we've made over time that have created what we have right now. And so if you want something different, it is possible, maybe not the ways that you've been told and maybe not in big, huge, drastic, crazy ways, but if you can access that part of you that knows that you are a powerful creator, then anything becomes possible.
0: Yes, that is so true. Once we believe that that can happen, it's almost like the pathway presents itself because you think it's going to happen and it happens slowly over time. And then you get to this point of, wow, it actually happened. I am living the life that five years ago, I would have absolutely been jumping up and down for.
1: Right, right. And it doesn't also mean that it's a linear process. I think that's what tricks people up a lot of the time. They're like, and here I am, like on whatever path they're on—fitness, eating, personal growth, even education. It's like, and and here I am, and I'm learning this, so I know that now, which means I shouldn't do that
0: thing. Which we do that thing, but
1: of course we do because we're actually human. And when you think about always give that example of how you're not actually consciously thinking about getting into the shower like if you actually had to think in your conscious mind like I'm going to lift that leg up to that angle and lean over gently and put that foot on the ground at the same time move my left hand to the tap and I'm going to turn it this angle and just to there and then I'm going to move my hand back down we're not But that's actually so much of our lives. We do things on autopilot. So to shift that up, to shift the autopilot actually requires getting conscious to what is mostly unconscious habits. And we've all got them. The way we think, you know, those thoughts that pop into our head every day, we just train. It's like a well-worn pathway in our head. And to take a new pathway, you have to actually, that has that requires a little bit of work and a lot of repetition. And our brains don't want to do it because it's hard. And so if we all just acknowledge that it's actually a process and there's going to be backs and forths. And we just love ourselves through the whole process anyway and accept. Then this is the further, faster it happens. It can happen in small little doses, not changing everything at at once, but it's, but it's possible.
0: It's possible. And what really resonates with me is just how messy life is and how messy this change process is. And you may have a really great week where things are really aligned and you're patting yourself on your back and like, Oh, look at me. Like I'm up and about, this is all great. And then the family gets struck by the flu. And then all of a sudden you're questioning your life. What am I doing? Why do I have so many children? What's going on? And it just happens.
1: Oh, I mean, you have basically just described my last 48 hours. <laughs> last week, all my children were homesick with the flu. So I've got three kids. They're in grade six, grade four and grade two. It's also birthday season for us. So I had an eight-year-old sleepover when the first kid went down with it. I had a sleepover party for the eight, my eight-year-old. And then, then they were all home sick and I just could not wait to get them to school. Of course, they were better in time for the pupil free day and then public holiday on the Monday. So I was just like, get me out. And then, and then I had the 10-year-old's birthday on the Wednesday and I've got her party on Saturday and I'm like, why? why? Why do we do this? Basically, nothing in my life makes sense. I want to burn it all down. Let's just like, can I escape to a, a tropical island? What's wrong with me? Why? Why is this happening to me? I can't handle anything. And it's so predictable, isn't it? Of course, I'm going to be feeling like that after three kids have been like, Mom, mom, I need water, mom, I'm hot, mom, I need a snack. Shut up. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm maxed out. Maxed out. And life keeps demanding things of us. And I talk all the time about just how important it is. You know, I became a solo parent when my husband passed away in 2019 and I just spend every day just trying to accept what is and forgiving myself for whatever it is that I didn't get around to or I feel I'm not doing well. I just have to accept that this is the way it is and any extra angst that I put on myself for what I know it could possibly be or how much better I could be at this or that or the other. I just let it all go because that's the cause of so much of our struggle in life, I think, is wishing things weren't another way, feeling like we know better so we should be doing better, but that's just not life for most, I think, for most modern parents because there's there's just a a lot of push and pull on us.
0: Yes, it's. I still remember when my eldest was four weeks old. I was sitting on the couch feeding again. You know how you just spend your whole life feeding and looking at the carpet thinking, gee, that needs a vacuum. And I just had this moment. It was so clear in my head, I can still remember it, that this is relentless. This whole caring for other humans is relentless. There's no There's no out. There's no break. Like This is, for the rest of my life, this is a part of my role as a carer And the same thing when you're an educator in a classroom, you take on so much responsibility. Like this year, this young person is really in my care. Like it's really, I can make or break the whole experience this year. I have so much responsibility. And I'm really curious to know, Lisa, have you always been able to just be with reality and accept things as they fall? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not.
1: And my husband, I mean, he was struggling with his mental health for a while and he in 2017 had a bit of a a breakdown of sorts and that's when his alcohol issues really came to the fore. So he was an alcoholic and had an addiction that he was managing successfully for a long time, I guess you would say. He was a beautiful, loving parent. He was working as an aerospace engineer, you know good husband, you know, hands on all the things, but he had this problem and it, the problem was getting worse and it got, it, you know, addiction is a progressive illness and it was, it was really not good. And I went into absolute trying to fix it mode. So there was something that I could do that would help him stay sober. If if my business took off, he could stop working so he wouldn't be stressed. And that would make everything better. Maybe, okay, I'll just get the kids out for the day. He needs some downtime, blah, blah, blah. Like, because I actually couldn't accept that this was his problem. It was all in his control always. And there was actually nothing I could do. I could love him, but I couldn't fix him. And it was the most heartbreaking thing to realize that the person that you love most in the world is gripped by an illness that is having its way with him and for me that was so painful and if anyone has been in you know I think parents do this with our kids too we try to fix our kids as though we have some sort of control over another human but we don't we don't we can just we can love them but we can't fix them we can't protect them from bad things happening I mean my three kids You know, Nick ended up passing away. He died. He was in India. He went there to find peace and he died. And it's just like, what the heck? What the heck has just happened? And I couldn't protect my kids from the pain that their dad had died. What? You know, and so then we went into the COVID years in Melbourne.
0: Just another layer of pressure. Let's just go.
1: Let's just, he, 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 he died in September 2019. I then was suddenly like, hang on, pandemic. What? Hang on. Okay, we're inside. We're homeschooled. What's this homeschooling business? I don't understand what's going on. I've got to keep my business going. I've got to keep a roof over our heads. I am grieving deeply, but trying to ignore that. And then suddenly there was nowhere to hide. And I couldn't even control I couldn't control anything. We were in Melbourne, particularly that's I speak to that because it was my experience here. A lot of people struggled with that sense of oh I thought everything was fine and now it's not because we'd go in and out of lockdown. Oh I thought it was fine and that was basically the recovery journey journey for me. So Nick would have periods of sobriety and I'd be like yeah. Fine, we can plan our lives. Maybe we could plan a holiday. Maybe we could have people over. Oh my gosh, he's healthy and well. This is working. Ah!" And then he would relapse and it would just all fall apart again. And my heart would be broken again and I'd be confused and I'd be having to hold it all together. And so I felt like that recovery journey over those few years almost prepared me for knowing I had no control and so that served me quite well during COVID it's like this is what is like we have to accept what is the the I feel like a lot of unhappiness is created when things are the way they are but we want them to be over here I did not want this man I loved to be an alcoholic what the heck Is this really our lives But so I was so busy trying to fix it and make it different and deny it and try to live a life that didn't accommodate it. And if I just accepted what was, I would have lived through it in a different way. So with COVID, I kept saying, like, the angst of wanting it to be something different when it can't be right now. It literally can't be. We have no choice here. Well, we do. We've always got choice. but if if you're following the rules and if, you know, that's your choice, then, then how can we just be here in this and make the most of it from here? Because if you take away that tension in between where it is right now, where we want it to be, that's the unhappiness gap. So we shrink that and accept what is and suddenly everything feels different. I mean, on the weekend. So after that really full week, it was 10 days I had kids home, just sick. And and it's so triggering after all the lockdowns as well. Sometimes like, oh my God, how did we do this for so long? It was like 265 days or something over two years. We were in our homes. And my boyfriend was taking, he's got two kids the same age as my older two. He was taking all the older kids out for a few hours. And I was getting some alone time while my Youngest went to a birthday party. It's great. Dropped her off at the birthday party. But I couldn't leave Meg because she's quite an anxious kid. And there were 19 girls there, and it was a pamper party. And there were dressing gowns to put on and hair stuff to put in her hair. And it was just way too much for her. After a week of being out of school and out of her rhythm and routine, there were girls she didn't know there. And it was just too much. I stayed there for an hour with her trying to, you know, just see if she would join in with things, and she didn't. So we ended up leaving, and it was actually heartbreaking. And so I didn't get that time. And I felt like I really needed that time. (laughs) I just needed to be by myself for a little while. But I had to accept what was. So... We went and we did some errands together and I got some things done that needed to get done and just was available to her because she was a bit distressed after what had gone on. And if I had, like, just wishing things were another way just gets you angst. And that's what personal power is to me more these days. It's surrendering to what is. It feels like one of the most powerful things I can do. In the surrender is the acceptance and from there we can make good choices about how to do it best. But if we were always wishing it was another way, we'd just spend our lives grumpy and, you know. Resentful
0: and hating life. Resentful,
1: yes. Yeah, that's not like that gives away our power. Our power leaves us when we're just wishing some sort of circumstance or some person is is going to change so that we can feel good, That's we've just given our power away.
0: It actually all resides in us. And how often do we do that? We look to other people to think, if you were different, then I would be okay. Or if the circumstance is different, I would be okay. Instead of getting to that place of, they are who they are. This life is as it is. How can I be? What am I going to do? What choices am I going to make? How am I going to show up? I remember one of my lectures years ago when we we're talking about problems and problem ownership. Something that really struck me was a lecturer said, at the end of the day, the problem belongs to the person who has who can do something about it. Mm. So as the educator, you may want to do everything about it. You may have moments where you think, I want to take this child home, give them a quiet environment, meals at nights and sleep. But at the end of the day, we cannot own other people's problems. Mm. And it really sounds like your story over the journey, you've learned that you can't function on other people's behalf.
1: You can't. And sometimes it's heartbreaking. But that's their journey through life, not mine. I choose how I show up for their journey in life. Like, and I think this is with our children so much. Like, I wish it was another way, but it's not. That's them. And so I can lovingly support that and love that. But it's not my job to, to try and engineer this life for them because that's theirs. They came here. But that takes away their personal power. When we start taking responsibility for other people, for things that are not ours to be responsible for, we strip them of their personal power. It, it, it removes, and, you know, I work with a lot of women who are very resentful towards partners who might not be stepping up around the home or doing things, you know, in a certain way and they feel like it's all their responsibility. And, oh, but I think the, the thing that, you know, I just keep, I'm always like, okay, they're going to do what they're going to do, but let's focus on you and how you are a part of this dynamic. So how have you taught them how to, you know, show up? Yeah. What role have you played in over-functioning so that they could underfunction? Let's talk about that. What? Well, no, if he just, I don't want to have to change. I don't want to, I mean, he just needs to, it's like, we're, stop it. He might never change if he never changes. He or she never changes. So, what does that mean for you? What choice are you going to make here? And yeah, I talk about taking personal responsibility a lot because I remember a time, it was 2017. So, Nick had gone to rehab for the first time. My whole world was spinning round and round, and we were living in Brisbane. We had no family around, and I decided to move us back to Melbourne. So, I decided, and then three and a half weeks later, we were here, and all sorts of things that had to happen to make that happen. And then he moved, he moved into another rehab down here in Melbourne, so I, was, I had my kids was staying with Mum and dad. I was trying to find a place to live, find schools, daycares, like all the things. it was it was mental. I ran a live event here in Melbourne during that time. I was running an online course that I'd just created for the first time. I mean, I don't even anyway. I then got shingles. So once we were in our home, the kids were all in their places. So there was a daycare, a kinder, and a school because I had three different, the daycare was just two days a week and kinder was a few days a week, but they were sorted. They were in. And so we were in our lives and it was probably about two months later that, yeah, shingles. And I remember a coach that I had at that time Said, well, I said, I just, I think I'm maybe, you know, burnt the candle, both ends. I'm so exhausted. And he's like, well, you haven't really taken much responsibility for yourself, have you? And I was like, I mean, I swore, probably (laughs) shouldn't swear on your podcast, but really (laughs) wanted to stick my finger up at him because I thought, how dare you've got no idea what responsibilities are. You have no children, you know, go jump, no, shut up. And then, like all good coaches, I realised there was truth in what he said. No one, was, no one else was responsible for ensuring that I took care of myself throughout that time. That was no one else's job. I was responsible for saying we're going to need to go slower. I was responsible for filling myself up on good food. I was responsible for going to sleep, for setting boundaries, for saying no. All mine, my responsibility. I protect my body and my well-being. My job. Yes, there's always going to be times that are busier in life. hundred percent, we know we know that. I'm in birthday season right now. I know that. but we also have to be responsible for asking for help when we need it, as opposed to just kind of being a victim of it all, you know? And And so at that point, I started to learn that I was not only taking on responsibility for myself, I was neglecting myself because I thought my only job was everybody else. And if we, I have an exercise that I do in one of my programs where I ask the participants to, to figure out their glass balls. So they get to choose three or maybe four glass balls. So these are the balls that if they dropped, they would probably smash. And everything else is probably rubber balls. They can We can drop those balls and they bounce. We can pick them up later. It's okay. But when, you know, when the rubber's hitting the road, let's just, there's three or four glass balls that we've got to take care of. Now, when we do that exercise, it's fascinating. Because I'd say maybe 5% of people put themselves as a glass ball. No one else. We don't actually prioritize ourselves as though we are one of the most important things in our own lives. And so we walk around resentful and depleted and tired, but we never took responsibility for ourselves in the first place. And if we did, and if we were operating from that place of I am a priority in my own life, I am, like, my well-being, my happiness, my health, the amount of joy I'm experiencing, purpose, all of that sort of stuff, if I actually considered that as much as I considered the needs of everyone else who I love, how might my life be different? What choices would I make? How much easier would it be to show up for everybody else? If I was coming at this from a full cup, what is that even possible and it's like they're like what (laughs) what you're saying is just so counterintuitive to the whole you know being a good person means putting myself under the bus so everyone else is okay and in my experience that doesn't work
0: it really doesn't work and that's why I think this conversation is so important And it's highlighting that when we take care of ourselves, we are stepping into our power. We can make better decisions, not only for ourselves, but for our family. We can decide that maybe this year we're not doing birthday parties, or maybe this term we're not doing swimming lessons. We're giving swimming lessons a break because we just don't have the capacity. And the same thing I talk about in schools. Yes, it's great to have all these excursions and camps and sports and activities, but Who's sourcing them? What's the resource? Do we have the capacity to make that happen or are we relying on parents and teachers volunteering their time and is it worth it? What's the cost of trying to be everything to everybody all the time? It's not sustainable.
1: No, and I think also the last few years we've had some sort of a reset. It's just undeniable that most people who I talk to are like, I know I should be going out, but I just kind of can't be bothered. Or my kids are so tired by Fridays. Or and I, what's the point in pushing ourselves? We experienced life at a completely different pace with way less expectations on us to be anywhere, to see anyone, n- none of it. And I know I talk to some people now who are like, oh, I mean, a bit of COVID. Give me, the, give me the excuse to just take a week, like hide away again. And so all I've noticed like with schools, it feels like it just feels like a tsunami coming at us, all the things that schools are wanting to do. And it's so exciting and it's amazing, but it's also not acknowledging the changed pace that we got used to and that, yes, kids have energy, but are they better off like stretched and doing stuff all the time? Like We also don't want to be stuck in our homes, but I don't know. I think we're all looking at things with completely different eyes and poor teachers. I mean, what the heck? They're just desperately trying to catch kids up and Manage classrooms. I mean, last week there was seven kids in one of my kids' classes and eleven in the other because there's so much illness going around. Nothing's manageable, and we can't keep on. I think it's it's like that. You know, the definition of ridiculous is trying to do something that is broken or that denies the reality. Like what we've got to accept is that this year was always going to be a bit of a
0: shit show. Can I say that? Yes,
1: you can. Do you Go know for what it. I mean? <laughs> Like, it sort of was, but are we, are we operating from that place of forgiveness of ourselves, of each other, that maybe we're still just getting ourselves back on track? Like, how much nicer would it be if we just lowered our expectations of ourselves, of our kids, and of each other? Because I don't know anyone who's really fully vibing totally high right now here in Melbourne.
0: Do you? Oh, it's really interesting that you say that because what's coming to mind for me is that now that we've come out of the official lockdowns, it's almost like this is where people are really experiencing the fatigue of it but then we're still dealing with rolling illnesses, so schools are still dealing with all of the things and yet there's this invisible expectation that life's normal, we're back on, we're back doing all the things However, doing all the things wasn't working for us pre-pandemic and the pandemic has given us an opportunity to step back and really think, do we need to be doing all these things and at what cost?
1: And have we learnt the lessons? Like, are we have we, have things changed? I don't know. I mean, I can't even, I don't. I've, my kids aren't teenagers. I can't even imagine what that has been like for that group. But... I don't know. I, I, I think you're exactly right. I was speaking to someone the other day like, whoa, everyone's sick. I can't remember a time in my childhood where we couldn't get a sports team together because of so much illness. But my son's soccer had to forfeit on the weekend because too many kids were sick. What? Like it's really strange that there is a lot of illness right now. And, and a friend was or someone was saying that, that there's this, you know, when you're in the stress response, And we've been in the stress response, like this really heightened response for a few years. And, you know, like going on holidays and your body can relax for a bit. And that's actually a healing time for your body. So that's when it will expel stuff, it will get sick, it will have its moment because it's not stressed anymore. And when she explained it like that, I thought, oh, yeah. So that's like happening globally. That's freaky, but it's definitely, I definitely see that happening in Melbourne. Seems like a perfect description. And yet, We're part of these institutions, like education that's like, this is what we've got to do, this is a curriculum, we've got to get through these things, these kids have got to get to the and we've got to do all the things. And we haven't been able to go on excursions. Let's go on the excursion. And it's like, but hold on. We're also in this healing stage. And nothing seems to be acknowledging that, I don't think, particularly well. So we need to do it as individuals for ourselves.
0: Yes. And this is where these conversations are so important. And this is the work that I do is about helping individuals slowly step back into their power. So then they have the capacity to say, you know what? I used to do the musical. I've always done the musical, but this year I just don't have it. Right. Can't do it.
1: And then lovingly accepting yourself. So not going into the guilt or shame or I should be better or whatever, just going, yeah, no, this is where I'm at how nice to know ourselves, acknowledge what we
0: need and do it. That's power. Yeah, that is the ultimate power. And I feel that it's so hard for so many people to make these powerful decisions because they just don't have the capacity. I've been laughing with people at the moment saying it's kind of like we were on broadband internet, but because of the pandemic, we've gone back to dial up and we just don't have it.
1: We just don't have it. It's true, and it's so refreshing to hear people talking about it <clears throat> because I keep thinking, I oh, should, be, should be back to, to the old Lisa, but I, I can remember sharing on, on social media. I mean, I just had a party on Insta Stories, really, like just talking to people because well, I couldn't talk to anyone else, really, could I? And I just said I think it's now gotten to the point. This has been so enduring here in Melbourne. It it, this is so prolonged now that there is we are undeniably changed from this you can't go through this and not be different but I still don't think we fully understand how different or what differences and because so many went back to that full-blown pace of life that pace doesn't give us any opportunity for reflection does it like we have to wait for a holiday It's not built into our lives. Like, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy my coffee and not scroll my phone and just have a little think about whether what's worked this week? What hasn't worked this week? What might I need to change? I mean, all those years of recovery alongside Nick. And the one thing, and I talk to women about this all the time, and I know it sounds so simple that it doesn't sound effective, but I would ask myself every single morning, What do I need today to feel good? And all that did, I started a dialogue with myself around feeling good for me. It didn't have to do with anybody else. I'd be like, you know what, you know what, I'm going to do. I'm going to drop the kids off, and then I'm going to go for a walk. I'm just going to clear the calendar. I'm going to tell the team I'm not. You won't see me till ten thirty. I just need to see the water. I need to. I need to walk day i just need that fresh air and it would and you know i'd just do the walk and then i would know that i'd done something for myself that day that helped me feel good amongst the storm and i think that opportunity is always there for us and there's times where i've thought do people think i am like toxic positivity because <laughs> because i'm looking for ways in which no matter what season i'm in there's opportunities for me to you know feel okay amongst this, might not be vibing super high. And so I'm doing the same thing for myself right now. Like this is, it feels like a strange time of transition. Can't be the old version of Lisa with none of us can, we're always evolving. And I'm not too sure I've got a proper sense of who I am right now, catching my breath. And can I just allow it to be that? Can I just allow this to be? A period of transition where we're trying to figure it
0: out. Yes and there's so much permission in that to just be with this new version what's coming to my mind is that transition you go through to become a parent for the first time or before you become a teacher you have this beautiful idea that oh I'm going to educate the future like here we go my own students I've got my class list I remember I was so excited the classroom was on point like this is it I'm going to be a teacher and then you walk into the classroom about ten minutes in, you're thinking, "Whoa, <laughs> whoa, they're like real, and they've got all these needs, and they've got all parents." And like this is so much harder than I thought. The same thing with parenting. Oh yeah, I'd be a great parent. Like I've read all the books, and then you're about three minutes in, and you're thinking, "Oh, like who left me with this child? Like what do I do?" This is transitions of life, isn't it? You know, we didn't know this pandemic it was even a word. We didn't know about COVID. We didn't know any about any of these things, and yet. We've experienced it, we've gone through it, and now we're trying to recalibrate and rediscover who are we and we can use these messy times as an opportunity, decide who do we want to be, where do we want to go, how do we want to show up? And that's why I sometimes think burnout is a wonderful opportunity and a gift to redesign our life into something that's more sustainable.
1: Without a doubt. And I think acknowledging also that letting go of things that aren't serving us anymore is torturous. It can be, it can feel amazing and it can also feel like torture because who are we beyond that thing or if we're not that kind of mum or if our family does say no and stay in because, oh, there's no real reason, it's just kind of cold and we're just cosy on the couch. so we're not going to be able to make it changing at an identity level and really allowing things to be stripped away from our lives can sometimes be like freefall.
0: And and no one really likes freefall. Particularly our brain. Our brain's like, no, 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 we please. We say yes. We do all the things. Don't rock the boat. So when we rock it, our whole body is rocking inside, working through, (laughs) but my identity is do all the things, you'll make it happen. And to move away from that, that is so uncomfortable and yet there is so much relief on the other side.
1: Right. Like it's always, you know, that darkest before the dawn, there's always this, oh, yeah, feeling. And, and I just, I feel like we're kind of, you know, as a broader community ready to kind of let go of some of these old paradigms. Like what are we holding on to them for? Like you said before, who is it serving? Who serve? No one. <laughs> No, who is like, I, I mean, I, I don't work in corporate, but I often look at that world and I'm like, how can we design this better? But, you know, as we move towards a future that feels, you know, more flexible and more family-oriented and acknowledges realities of things, it people will still, people will fight tooth and nail to hold on to the old paradigms because anything outside our comfort zone is uncomfortable. And most of us just seek out the easy route. But I do think we have seen, we got that point, that moment to reflect, like the universe delivered us this, like, hey, you guys, it can be different. And we went, yes, it can so be different. I'm so grateful for this. And now I'm just back doing the same old things I did all the time. Like, ah. But like I said in the very beginning, our brains, Love predictability. We're not consciously thinking about 90% of what we do. 95%, we're just moving through our days. But I am surprised at how two years of what the heck has this been has just been it's just almost like a blip. None of us want to. Let's not talk about that. Let's just move on. That was done. And now we're back.
0: Yep. Cameras rolling. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> action. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very crazy times, and that's why it's so beautiful to have this conversation because I hope it's inspiring people to really take a moment to stop and to think: what is the cost of the pace that you're currently living? Like, what is the cost to your health, your relationships, your productivity, whatever that you value the most highly? What is the cost? when you're going at this pace and can we move towards a more powerful way of living in where we understand our capacity Mm. and our limits Mm. like we're humans we're not robots we have limits and Lisa to wrap up this incredible conversation I'd love to invite you to finish four sentences are you up for it yes I will do that (laughs) I am inspired by
1: (sighs) my daughter who things don't come as easily to. And I just she inspires the pants off me.
0: When life feels hard.
1: <laughs> Go to bed. Rest. A tired mind is an asshole, is what one of my friends says. <laughs> Most of the time you
0: just need a really good sleep. That is so true. A tired mind is an asshole. That's a quote that never listen to yourself. Yeah.
1: Lisa Carpenter, my friend, says that. And, yeah, she's an exceptional coach and she's always just, do you need a Like
0: An underrated skill is?
1: Mm, An underrated skill, baking, being able to put a beautiful cake on the table for a celebration. I love baking and I think it's underrated. I think that we've forgotten the beautiful therapeutic art form of home cooking, home baking.
0: And licking the bowl, maybe. Oh
1: my god. I just made a monster cake for my daughter yesterday. <laughs> and just, I mean, the icing was butter, cream cheese, icing sugar, and melted chocolate. I was <laughs> I was all the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to make like another lot. Like, oops. Didn't have enough. It's a double-layered cake. It was, it needed a lot.
0: Um, I am looking forward to. Oh. I'm
1: looking forward to. A trip overseas again. You know, I used to say to myself, the only reason I am a calm mum is because I get time away. And this is the this is <laughs> that was confronting to become a solo parent, and and then the COVID years, I got no escape, and I still had to be an okay mum. Like I was still, I had to find new ways, but undeniably. I think more of us need more time away (laughs) from our families to get to rest, reset. My creativity peaks with different places, just being in different environments. So I'm really looking forward to, like, just, I mean, being on a plane for a long time and going somewhere completely different where they have accents or a different language. Yeah.
0: Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on the School of Wellbeing podcast. It's been a joy to chat with you. Thank you for having me. I hope this conversation has inspired you to step into your personal power. To learn more about Lisa's incredible work in the world, visit her website, lisacordoff.com, or you can follow her on Instagram or Facebook to learn more practical ways to thrive. Before you go, I invite you to complete two sentences. Number one. From this conversation, I want to remember, what is your pearl? And number two, the action I'm going to take in the next 24 hours to support my well-being is, if you're enjoying the show, I would love it if you could write a short review on iTunes or Spotify. It will only take a few minutes and it really helps to share the podcast with more listeners. Thank you to Skipping Girl 7 for writing the following review. I have listened to several episodes of The School of Wellbeing and they never disappoint. Guests are fascinating, really love Meg's down-to-earth approach to wellbeing and self-care. Thanks, Skipping Girl 7, for listening and taking the time to write a review. I really appreciate it. To learn how I can help you thrive, visit openmindeducation.com. There you can book me to speak at your next event or make an inquiry about my game-changing wellbeing program, Thrive by Design. You can find all the links from today's episode at openmindeducation.com forward slash episode 43. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Wellbeing and I look forward to sharing more heartfelt conversations with you next week.